Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. And those online, thanks for joining and being part of our family. As you know, livingmessiah.com is the website. You'll find a donate button there. And we thank you for all those who do support. And a thumbs up is always nice as well, too. So let me just open in prayer, and then we can uh, begin to get into it. This study. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat. We thank you for your, your faithfulness to your words. Father, we thank you for the empowerment of your spirit so that we can be guided to all truth, Father, your truth. We thank you again for, uh, for your very words that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we recognize that he, your only brother for son, Yahshua, our Messiah is our King and our redemption and is bringing us home to you. We thank you again. We love you. Amen. So as you know, um, comments and questions, just raise your hand. The mics are out there. Somehow the, the mics will find their way to you if need be. Um, we just ask, try to be on the, on the text that we're talking about. Um, and let's not get far ahead, especially with this particular subject, uh, I'm thinking, too. Uh, as well. And remember, if you do get the mic, just have it close to your mouth so it comes across clearly for those online and those are in here. So I do want to remind you on this study, I, I'm just sharing my, you know, my personal Bible study with you on the book of Acts. Okay, so really my hope is that it will challenge us, it will be edifying and strengthen our faith in the Elohim of Israel, the God of Israel, and the walk with his Messiah, who is Yahshua or Jesus Christ uh, by others. So here we're in the book of Acts, a real quick review. We, we finished chapter 9, which was the introduction of Shaul, or Paul. And we have begun chapter time, excuse me, 10 here, with the focus now on Peter, the Apostle Peter. So it's from, from Paul to Peter, or Peter, Paul, you know, that old song, Peter and Paul, or it was, it was a band, wasn't it, or something. But anyhow, with this character change in the storyline, uh, now with Peter, it's interesting, and, and this is personal, um, we, we have to remind ourselves what Peter has said about Shaul. I mentioned it before, but I think it's very important, because there is, I, I'm convinced so far in my studies more and more, there is no one who is misunderstood and misquoted in Christianity than the Apostle Paul, Okay. So, with that in mind, keep this. Remember, Peter said this also. In all these letters, speaking of them concerning these matters, letters that Paul has written, in which some are hard to understand. You need to understand where Paul's coming from and the context that Paul is speaking about in the subjects. Let alone, remember, a lot of these letters, you don't actually know what the subject was about in some sense. But it goes on, Peter goes on, which those who are untaught and unstable twist of their own destruction. So another way of saying to those who don't, are not taught to understand where Paul is coming from, remember he's a Pharisee, he spoke Pharisaic language, they had their own culture, there's a lot about Paul that you have to understand before you can even understand what he's saying, okay? Um, then Peter goes on, because they're unstable, okay, and they'll twist Paul's words to their own destruction. That's pretty heavy, as they also do the scriptures. So you can see Peter saying, oh yeah, there's plenty of traditions out there, there's plenty of things that have been said, understand where Paul's coming from, understand what he's saying, because if you don't understand it, ultimately you're going to twist the scriptures to your own destruction. 
So Peter goes on, you then, beloved, beloved ones, being forewarned, watch at least you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the delusion of lawlessness. Peter gets right to the point of the thing. If you don't understand Paul, you, you might be led away to a delusion thinking that the Torah, the law of Moses, is not for you. That is clearly what Peter's talking about in the context of the culture at the time. Okay? So, let's keep that in mind. We left off last week with Peter in the vision in Acts 12, in which there were all kinds of um, four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creepy creatures and the birds of the heavens. They came, it came down in a sheet. Then there was this voice, and the voice came to him, says, Rise, Peter, Kepha, rise, Peter, slay or kill, eat. Okay, that's where we left off in some of our discussion. And I'm kind of going to review maybe some of the things I spoke about last week. I think it's very important, let alone last week we had a little bit of technical difficulties in that. And, um, and to be quite honest with you, this subject matter can be confusing. It was for me going through and some of the things I read to understand correctly what is going on here. So Peter's response, obviously, is what then? Acts 10, 14. So Peter says, after this vision, saying, kill, eat, of all these unclean creatures, creepy things, and blah, blah, blah. But Peter says, not, all, not at all, Master, because I have never eaten what is common or unclean. And in your, your text, I'm using common and unclean because they better relate to what's going on. There might be other words being used there, but if you go back and see how they're used in the Greek or whatever, common and unclean, I think, are best. Not adding extra to what the text is saying. So, the first thing we have to understand, Peter knows this isn't food before him. Okay, he only ate what the law of Moses determines as food. Okay, that is what Elohim, God, commands is fit to eat in his kingdom. Because anytime you're talking about Elohim and God and his people, that's his kingdom. So these are the things to set down. Peter would not be eating those things. That's why he's like, what? Now, the second is this vision ultimately is not about a dietary change in God's law, okay? It may seem to be about what one eats, but at the same time, it is not, okay? Is that confusing? Yes, it, I, 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 yes, it can be. But it shouldn't be any more confusing to other parables and things that the Messiah or anyone else uses to show you something. This vision, like a parable, is, being used, uh, is using a subject or an item to re represent something else to make a point, a deeper truth. And in this case, the vision, think about it this way. In this case, this vision is a gentle nudge, nudging from the shepherd. The shepherd's rod for correction. Okay? So the deeper truth isn't about eating. For God's people, food has already been established very clearly. So everything has been established of what is food and what is not food. Peter knows this and he lives by it. Messiah lived by it. Yeshua obeyed his father and all the righteous lifestyle that came along with his commandments. Okay? So maybe in some sense, we come from that aspect. Peter being aware of this and saying, no way, I'm not going to eat all this. Maybe Peter is thinking this was some sort of test from Elohim. And I showed you in the text, there is parts in, when they were at Mount Sinai 
you know, I'm going to send prophets and things like that to test you to see if your heart is going to be according to what I've asked you to walk out. If you have faith in the God of Israel. So that's not out of the question either. But I think, again, this is a shepherd lovingly guiding his sheep. So let's come from it from that aspect, okay? So to understand Peter's response here, which is in the vision, okay? I think that's important. Peter's response that is, in the vision itself. What I'm saying, it might not necessarily be Peter physically saying anything, but in this vision that he's seeing, he's seeing himself in the dialogue that's going on. So it's in the vision, so to speak. So Peter's response here, and then to understand what Elohim or God is saying, the next... We need some background from the next, before we go any further, from that next verse that's going to come. Okay? And that's where I think it's important that we first understand some terms and ideas that are, were present at the time. So we have this common and unclean. Clean and unclean are terms that are related to food. That part makes sense. But common isn't used in relationship with food. So you see what I'm saying? On one hand, you see this idea of food. On the other hand, it's not about food. Common it's used in relationships with things and objects, people. And that is the connection here. And ultimately, when it is being used, this word common, it is associated with the tabernacle. And then by default, it would be the, the temple. Okay? Now, something to point out here. You said, well, it doesn't relate to food. Well, it does, but only one specific type of food. The only time it seems to be associated with food and eating is with the priests. And I said, Peter's not a priest. So why is he saying these things? Why is this vision going on before him? I'll give you some examples. Do not think, uh, do not drink wine or strong drink. This is a command to the priests, Aaron and his sons, right? Um, nor your sons. It goes on talking about the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. At least you die a law forever, three generations, as it goes on. So as to make a distinction between what is set apart and what is profane. Okay, and another subject. They are the same, but they're not the same. And between what is unclean and clean. I, now, it's going to get a little bit deeper here, but I, hopefully I can do, oh, it took me a while to go through this in my head. I was like, okay, this is clearly, there's something bigger going on here. But anyhow, this is the, uh, the command for the priest to teach the children of Israel all the Torah, all the laws, instructions, which Yahweh has spoken to them by the hand of Moses including the Ten Commandments and everything else that Moses related to the people of what is clean, what is set apart, what is not. Okay? Now take a look at where this word profane that I have here. I'm going to show you the same Hebrew word translated into English here in Ezekiel. On the four sides of the measure, you measure it, talking about the temple, um, it had a wall all around, 500 cubits, and so on and so on. All right? But the big thing is, what is being described here is ultimately to, to separate the set-apart place, places in the temple, which only the priest could go to, from the common places. Now, what I want to point out 
in Leviticus 10 here, where this word profane in common, they're one and the same word. There is common, and then there is set apart. And I'm going to use set apart instead of holy, because holy in some sense takes on another aspect in our language as being sacred and, and so on and so on. But if we stick to just the idea of something set apart and common, I think it will come through a lot clearer. Yes, Barry, did you have a question or comment? Oh, I'm sorry. I grabbed one from over there. Um, it, it, it's mind-boggling, actually, um, thinking about what you had said last week when you were talking to me about what this common is and and about the food as you're saying now about the food being uh only considered common i mean you you don't eat pork that's that's not common that is not food but Correct. the things that are unclean unfit to eat Right, unclean, unfit to eat. For his people. Then what is considered clean and fit to eat is common when it's relevant to a priest because a priest shouldn't be, should, or priest is, is set apart to eat certain things that are different. Not, not non-food, but, but specifically set apart for them. Exactly. But it goes further as you're looking into the next chapter and, and Peter is talking about the vision and the people he's talking to, the other, the other uh, Talmudian that are recognizing about this man Cornelius. Yes. But it just occurred to me also, what about when Yeshua was saying he would rather someone be hot or cold than to be lukewarm, and if they're lukewarm, he'd spit them out of their mouth, out of his mouth. Yeah, that gray area is actually sometimes more dangerous than on one side or the other. Which is what just occurred to me is, I've heard people say, well, we are now, we're, the, the people who are not, say, Hebrew root, they're not from, the, from Hebrew roots, they're not Jewish, they're They've come into the knowledge, and now they're able to come before him in, in the Holy of Holies. And, well, wait a minute. Are they, are they dragging the Holy of Holies into being common? Yes. I would say, yes, you are. And that just occurred to me. That's really scary. There is, yes. And I, I thank you, Barry, because there is a lot of aspects sitting here. As we go through this, you'll begin to see. And Paul, and some of the things he pointed out so clearly, um, is what we're looking at here. Uh, let me say this. There's common and then there's set apart. Okay? If something is set apart, it doesn't make all other things not set apart or, let's say, profane. It just means that they're, they're not wicked, they're not profane, they're not wrong, sinful. They are just not set apart for a specific purpose. Common and set apart, then, think of this, are not necessarily opposites. Okay? Going with what Barry's... Uh, presenting and thinking through and i'll get to and this actually hits upon some of the things our brother paul has pointed out i think it's very important for us here's an example the priests were set apart so does that make everyone else profane but it does make them common to that particular job I'm not set up I'm not a priest so I'm not set apart to do that. Am I, am I to walk in a set apart way? Oh, definitely. But you see, there's not this huge just cuz a priest has been called out to be in that position and it's very clear if I go try to take that position of a priest in any form, I'm a stranger to the most high. And then I'm a defiled person because I'm doing a job that I was not handed to do. 
There's where the terminology, we have to understand how they're being used, who they're being applied to. So ultimately, this is where it comes when it's talking about food. So, like I said, the priests were set apart. That doesn't ultimately make everybody else profane. They only become profane if they try to take that job that has been set apart for somebody else's specific purpose from the Most High. So, when I'm compared to a priest, I'm common. Because he is set apart for that position. Yes, sir. Correct. The sons of Aaron. They were doing somewhat, they were doing things incorrectly, and boom, uh, fire came out from the Most High. They were, you know, they had a job and they didn't do it according to how they were told to do it. But it's interesting here, hopefully it's making sense. Things that are set apart, they're set apart for a specific duty, officer, and operation. Okay, and that can be people and things. So Peter's saying he never has eaten what was common. So another way to say that, like I said, he's not a priest. Everything that he has eaten would be common and not set apart. But it would be clean food fit to eat. See the differences that are going on here? Yes, I, I, it, it's confusing to me if, while I was going through this. But I think as we go further with this, it will start getting clearer. Let me point out this, talking about this idea for the priest, so you understand I'm just not making this up, what the text says about the priest in this terminology. Numbers 18. Eight. Yahweh spoke to Aaron and see, I myself has given you the charge of my contributions. What is that? The contribute the things that come in from the people, the contribution, the tithes. What's it say? The offerings, grain offerings, all their sin offerings. This is a law forever. When does forever end? Then it goes on ten. Eat it in the most set apart place. Eat it in the grounds that have been set apart, every male eats of it, it is set apart to you. That's the only time that the word set apart is used as far as food or the concept dealing with the priests. So Peter would not be eating anything holy or set apart as in reference to food. But here in the vision, he is saying that he has never eaten which was common, which would be set apart or holy. That then, he would be saying that he's only eaten what has been holy and set apart, and that is just not right. I, to me, personally, I don't think Peter's actually saying this. I think the dialogue that's going on in the vision, he's saying, because later on, we'll see, he's puzzled of what he just saw. So I would suggest maybe he saw this vision of him saying this to Elohim, and Elohim's talking to him, and he's like, what is going on here? Because I, ne- I know I'm not a priest. Peter knows he's not a priest. So whatever he's eaten would not have been holy food because holy food is only for the priest or that terminology. Yes? So I have a comment here based on your study on this word. So your, your word here, the Greek word uh, that you've presented to us, uh, koinos, it appears three times in Romans 14.14. 14. We'll know it real well when I start reading it. it. says, and it's the same word, which is common. I know that, and I am convinced in Yahuwah, Yahushua, that nothing is, and of course we always read it as unclean, but nothing is common of itself. But to him who thinks anything to be common, to him, it is common. But when you're looking at it as unclean, it makes it look like 
unclean food's no big deal anymore. Exactly. See, there comes, uh, Mark's pointing out how this word can be misunderstood with not understanding the historical background and how, these, how the words operate and what they're relating to. And see, here's the bigger thing that I, I've seen to understand is, yeah, this would be a good point to speak about this. You have clean and unclean things that you eat, fit to eat. Well, no, you know what? Let me continue on. It's going to get out. Let me lay down some other things for in this. So ultimately, so what's going on? You, you know, because even what uh, Mark has pointed out, Paul is speaking about some other deeper things too. So let's understand then, let's go to clean and unclean. Terms that are associated with food. Clean, at the, <laughs> clean is pure. At the purest understanding of what clean means, and I, I forget the Hebrew word, it just means pure. Okay? And when associated with food, it means ultimately this is clean, meaning this is fit for your consumption, my people. Because I love you and I have grace upon you, I want you to know what is good for you and what is not good for you. But the food that has been declared fit to eat can become unclean. Here's now, I'm like, what? Yes, it can. How? Well, example would be, say, a sheep. A sheep is considered pure, clean, fit to eat, right? But if it is attacked or torn by a wolf, it is no longer clean or fit for you to eat. So something that is clean can become unclean, even though from the very beginning it was clean. So in this particular case, dealing with what I just uh, put forth to you, which would be something that would happen, that sheep, which ordinary is clean, will never be clean for you to eat because it's been torn by a wolf or some other issues. So, in some ways, some of these things are a one-way street. When we look at them, and I'll point out some other examples. Yes. So we see that a kosher animal can become unkosher, but can an unclean animal ever become clean? No. It, it's a one-way street. The only things that are clean are what he says are fit to eat. And that's a very important point. Yes, Paul. It also brings out in Malachi how they were profaning the altar and profaning Yahuwah's name because they were bringing animals that would normally be considered clean for sacrifice, but they were lame or they were blind or they were defiled in some way. And so that's when he said, how, how, are you prof how dare you profane my name? So it had to do with the reputation. So yes. you, you're looking at something that is subpar. And just to try to step away from that, when you were talking about, um, I believe it was Numbers 18. In Numbers 18, it was talking about the stranger or the outsider not being able to come near the wilderness tabernacle, or they would be put to death. If you read that incorrectly, you would think that would be the foreigner from other nations. But it was talking about the stranger that didn't have the office of assignment or attending to the needs of the tabernacle. So that means that a set-apart people were not set apart for this function. And I think you mentioned earlier, it always comes with responsibility. What is the function of being set apart for this purpose, and what is it, and so on. Exactly. Thank you, Paul. So there is a lot in this vision packed in there. And I know traditionally how... Um, um, how it is stated. But hopefully I can show you where it's like, wow, 
there's way more here going on and how uh, you've seen already how it touches other aspects of these terms and the ideas around the temple, around his people. So ultimately, you can be set apart doing the commands of the Most High, but if you take the office that is not you, you're unholy. Quickly. So the unholy can be, or the, the set apart can become defiled. I see earlier you mentioned how some people twist the scripture, the scriptures to their own destruction, but now I wish to clarify something now. The Messiah said if you go to an unbeliever's house, you eat whatever's before you. Now, we all know the Messiah didn't say you can eat an unclean thing because he still meant in the context, whatever you eat has to be considered food before you can eat it. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Messiah never said if you go to an unbeliever's house and they got unclean, you can eat that? No, you just can't eat anything. Yes. So you can see how this plays a part in, in, in a lot of aspects. Ralphie, so to give, just to give a little uh, addition to that, so that animal could have been like Ralphie said. There, there's several ways that a clean animal can be rendered unclean. Ralphie mentioned one. So just to give an example of a, how a set-apart animal be, can become common, so you've got an animal that's now your first fruit, or God says, what you present to me shall be unblemished. So it's been set apart as an unblemished, ready for sacrifice. And all of a sudden, something happens, and it's now got a lame leg or something else. It's still a clean animal, but it's no longer set apart. It's common. But it's clean. Yeah. And it is, it can be, let's say, it can be confusing for us who did not grow up understanding these terms and these ideas and that we can like paul was saying and i don't think we deliberately turn and twist it to our own destruction but yet at the same time unknowingly because we're not taught and understand some of these things these things can happen and we can end up be calling certain things that are not to be called that so now, the, like I said, it seems to be a one-way street, but there's other aspects to clean and unclean. Is that something deemed unclean can be clean again. Yes. I was going to add something to what Mark had mentioned. There, there's another aspect that we could consider as well. We have Jewish friends who abide by dietary um, boundaries concerning the preparation of clean food, whether it has been uh, prepared with certain utensils that are only used for meat and other utensils that are only used for milk, and they don't mix them. And so it could have been also referring to the way something was prepared in someone's home. Did you, did you use a utensil that you, because they don't use, they use separate utensils for preparing meat than they do milk products. So instead of asking a stranger or questioning, was this prepared with your proper utensils? It was just a, a, an instruction to partake of the food without yes. inquiring. Thank you, Polly, because she has just introduced another level of understanding what's going on here at the time. Yes. Just to add something, because you had said, they were raised to know clean from unclean, and that becomes part of you just know what is food and what is not food. For instance, for us here in America, we don't eat horse meat or dogs or cats. So we know that already. If, we, if I go to another country and they're serving cats, I don't take it that Yeshua is telling me to eat that because already instilled in me, it's like, no, that's not food. But I will, you know, eat what I can. So I think when you grow up knowing these things aren't even food, you know, there's things. He's set that for us, and then they already knew food from what was not food. Exactly. And see, there, she's mentioning in somewhat the same thing Polly's mentioning. Behind that is a lifestyle and things that you grew up knowing. 
to your surroundings and, you know, culture. So, again, this is about food, just the clean and unclean. Now, the other aspect about uh, uh, clean and uncleans, sometimes things deemed unclean can be clean again. Wow, didn't you just say it depends on what's going on? That sheep that was torn by the wolf, obviously you can never make it clean to eat again. But the term is also used in other aspects. People can find themselves in an unclean state, but they can return to that a clean state through a prescribed process. Examples. Uh, there's many of them. I'll hit like I got women in their cycle. They're unclean during the cycle. Does that mean they're evil, defiled, and, and wicked? No. And then after, they become clean again. It's as simple as that. But you cannot take that same principle like, uh, like what was spoken by our brother over here to food. You have to know the context of what it's talking about. So you can't take clean and unclean universally over and just apply it to wherever you want. It doesn't work that way. Another example would be like some kind of skin condition. Okay? The priest would come in, oh, you have some psoriasis or whatever, let's clear this up. Whatever the process is, he would come, the person with the skin disease, it wasn't always leprosy, all right, as we would, Hansen disease as we know, but any types of other thing. Priest would say, oh, you're clean, go do this or that, and now you're clean again. You were unclean. It's the simple things like that. So, let's continue on here. And the voice came to him again a second time that Elohim has, here it is, what Elohim has cleansed you do not consider common, Peter. Or, let's say in the vision. And this took place three times, and the vessel was taken back up into the heavens. And while Peter was doubting within himself, see, Peter didn't, what's going on? Within himself about what the vision might mean might meant look the men who had been sent from cornelius having asked for the house of simeon stood at the gate and calling out they inquired whether simeon peter also known as peter was staying there so real quick three times this vision did this And three is always a perfect witness, something to take note of. Twice take note of. Three times take even more note of, maybe. So three times this vision takes place, and then three men will come to Peter. Not three unclean animals for Peter to eat. Very clear, right? Take that in consideration. If the vision was about eating, shouldn't, some, shouldn't a camel and a couple other donkeys, whatever, show up for Peter? Because it's about food, right? Now you can see clearly it's not about food. So, to me, Elohim, or God's point, is right here in this verse 15. And it's nothing new. Nothing new is being related here to Peter. Yes. If it was about food, a catering truck would have showed up. Exactly. So, but take note of this. This is Elohim is bringing forth something that is not new. There's no new doctrine happening here in front of Peter. Elohim is saying to Peter not to call common things unclean. Things not set apart are not unclean in themselves. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm going to switch real quick to give you an example in food because that's what's happening. The Most High is using food as an example. 
Okay? A pork, a pig, is unfit to eat. It is not considered food. It is not pure for you to eat. But that doesn't mean that you cannot have a pet pig. See the difference? It's unfit to eat. And I know pigs are dirty anyhow. You just end up washing your hands. But the whole thing is it doesn't make snakes and creepy crawlers and pigs evil and you can't ever touch them and you're going beyond what Elohim, because he made them in their state clean to do what they need to do in this creation that he's made. So, so Elohim is saying to Peter, do not call common things unclean. Things are not set up things not set apart are not unclean in themselves. If Elohim makes them set apart, you do not treat them as common or not set apart. Now we're starting to get to what the vision is about. And it's about people. So to make this even more confusing, this issue being addressed here, I would say is something personal with Peter. Then going back what was said already, why is it personal with Peter? Well, who's Peter? How did Peter grow up? It's personal with Peter because it's a part of the teachings of the synagogue that Peter would have been influenced his whole life until this one from Nazareth shows up and kind of upset some of the traditions of the elders. Not all, but some. The other thing that was said in the beginning, when we are looking at the beginning of 10, is this to consider. So in the beginning of 10, this man Cornelius, he was a Roman. He was not Jewish. Clearly, he was a Roman. But it said that he was righteous and he was a God-fearer. And I pointed out those key terms meant that he followed the God of Israel. He followed the Torah, the commands of Moses, or Moses received. So right off, yeah, is this vision then about Gentiles coming into the kingdom? Mm, sort of, but we have to remember the comparison is to someone who already is following the commands of the Most High. And he may not be Jewish. So this vision, to me, is in the context of a Jew being Peter and a God-fearer who is one who follows the law of Moses, but he's not a Jew. This isn't to incorporate everybody else out there doing Wiccan and all kinds of other... This vision is about... These two particular people here are understandings with Peter in the midst of trying to understand what's going on. Is there, was there a hand up that I'm not seeing? No. So, now I'm going to do this because this helped me. Sometimes working an issue backwards helps to understand. Not always, but sometimes it does. Peter says this, he said to them, he's now at Cornelius' house, I, I broke my own rule, I went ahead a little bit, but it, I think it's important to understand. And notice real quick, Peter's not talking about animals anywhere in what he perceives his correction from the Spirit is. And he said to them, you know that I am a Judite, I'm a Jewish man, and is not allowed to associate with or go to one of another race, someone other than Jew. But Elohim has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. 
So the interesting thing here, ultimately the vision ultimately quickly switches from clean and unclean and the subject of food, which ultimately gets Peter's attention in some ways. It should get any of our attention when some kind of vision or dream that you have that you can eat ham all of a sudden. Ooh, be on guard about that, okay? But it did get Peter's attention because he, he knows better. It, but it switches the common and set apart. And those are terms, again, that are a reference to items, things. In this case, we will see it's people. Another level to understand. People, Peter's a Jew. He's a Hebrew, right? He's from that long lineage of them coming out of Egypt. Because Elohim said to you, you will be a set-apart people. Wow, this can go to your head. And it has gone to Peter's head. Because ultimately, we have this other guy who is behaving just like the commandments that he, from the Most High, so he's doing everything that was commanded by Elohim to do, God to do. But ultimately, Peter's calling them common, not holy. When the reality is, he is just as set apart as Peter is set apart. The only difference is, Peter's Jewish, Cornelius is a Roman. This goes back to the whole idea. Elohim determines what's set apart and what's not set apart. Not traditions, not doctrines, not theologies. It is Elohim solely that tells you what is set apart and what is not a set apart. So Peter, ultimately he learned things in the synagogue and traditions and things that pointed out anyone but a Jew is not set apart because they're not Jewish. They're not part of the heritage of everything else, but yet you had Cornelius, a God-fearer, right, who followed all these commandments, but was still considered an outsider because he wasn't Jew Jewish. That's the big issue going on, and where I say Peter's being kindly, let's say, to being pointed out this issue of what's going on. Yes. Well, you basically just said what I was going to say, which was my point earlier that I believe what may be being addressed here is boundaries and traditions that the Jewish families or Jewish culture kept. Because where in the Torah does it ever say that a Jewish man is not allowed to associate or go to another race. Nowhere. So this indicates to us that this is addressing um, boundaries and traditions that were set and bringing a little clarity to those boundaries. No, and I think that's important. And how can we use that for today? We are a set-apart people, called by the Most High, called by the redemption blood of Messiah to walk accordingly to those commandments, right? And we are set apart, yes, if you do those things. Now, does that make the world out there pretty much, doesn't necessarily make them clean, or, or clean, but not necessarily unclean. All it means is that you're set apart and we should stick to what makes us set apart. Because the issue happens and you see it going on even here in our politics and our country segregating things out. Bottom line is, if you're set apart, behave like a set apart person. And don't call everyone else not. All right, uh, Barry. I see two points. One is going back just a little bit because it ties to the second one, and that is the idea of what you were saying, having a pet pig. There are people who believe because pigs are unclean to eat, you can't touch it while it's alive. Not correct, because dogs are unclean to eat, but we touch them. So it's very simple. I see that a lot of things of God are very simple. It's 
pig, it's alive, it's okay, you can pet it. If that's what you want to do, have one as a pet, great. But you don't eat it. You don't eat the dog, you don't eat the pig, you don't eat those things that are that God says are unclean. Mouse? Mouse is a bad thing. Don't eat the mouse. I had a pet uh, rat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but the part that I'm tying it to is more important, and that is, as Polly was mentioning about tradition, I think it goes further than that. I think it goes to pride, because here I am. My mom and dad were Jewish, both. Their mom and dads were Jewish. Their moms and moms and dads were Jewish also. So should I be better than anyone else in here? In the way I see it, no. My gosh, I was raised about like everybody else that was in here, not knowing the scriptures, not knowing who my God is. And just like everybody else exactly is trying to learn who he is, trying to be like Yahushua, who is our example, who is our target to be like. Exactly. So I see it as, as going back to even pride itself as, as something which is absolutely against the scriptures, is to be pride, prideful. But that had to be moved out of the way, more than tradition. Yes. Thank you, Barry. Now, I, let me get the, finish this up. We have to uh, finish up real quick. Thank you, Barry, though. So ultimately, leave with this mindset. Who sets the standard for being holy or set apart? Set apart's a better word. It's Elohim. Only can then, can a man's traditions, theologies, or doctrines change that? Or what the elders say? No, they can't. But remember, can the things that have been set apart become common. I think Mark was pointing it out. Yes. Our walk and what we do, we can say we're set apart people, believers in the Messiah, but if we walk common, there is nothing set apart for the world to see within us. Father Yahuwah, great and mighty you are. There is none like you, O Yahuwah. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your faithfulness to your words. Father, help us as we plow through and understand all the things that are going on. We only want to be, get a clearer picture of what you are commanding us to do. That is our desire, to become like your son. Father, we thank you again for the empowerment of your spirit that guides us to all truth. Your word, your commands, your Torah is truth. Amen. Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys come. We'll pick up right here, maybe do a little bit more. And uh, thanks, guys, for participating, those online. Shalom.